0: to the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. Thanks for sticking with us as we've been on a bit of a hiatus, if you will. Uh, But looking forward to bringing you some new guests and some new episodes every few weeks here on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Uh, This week, bringing uh, to us Brett Putter. And uh, Brett is an expert in a topic that is near and dear to my heart and should be in yours too. And that is company culture. Company culture is something that we all need to be paying attention to, that we need to be thinking about, that we need to have defined. Uh, but oftentimes it kind of gets put to the side as we focus in other areas of our business. Um, and ultimately what we see is we start off with this idea of what we want our culture to look like and then we look back in a few years and it's really nowhere close to that because we weren't intentional about what we built. So. We're gonna go through and and kind of give you some uh, general ideas and tips on things to to pay attention to and why company culture is so important. But then we're gonna spend a few minutes really diving into um, how to develop a healthy company culture, a strong company culture, when you have a remote workforce, whether a hybrid workforce or fully remote, uh, which is a challenge that many of us are facing these days. So pay close attention as we talk through some things that you can do. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to Brett. Or, as always, you can contact me directly as well. If there are any topics you'd like to hear more about, please reach out to us. Podcasts at employerblueprint.com. Look forward to hearing from you all. Thanks so much for being part of the Employer Blueprint Podcast family. I want to thank everyone for joining us this week on the Employer Blueprint Podcast and uh, look forward to continuing to find ways to help you build a stronger business, a stronger company, and in today's episode, a stronger company culture. Um, You know, it's something that oftentimes we don't think about or we certainly don't think about it enough. We have a dream of what our company culture will look like when we start our business. Uh, And then a few years down the road, all of a sudden the business is running us more than we are running the business, and uh, oftentimes we can point back to the company culture as to reason and uh, the reason that has happened. And so today's guest, Brett Putter, uh, is an expert in this space, an author in this space, and it uh, has been able to help a lot of businesses uh, understand how to do this well and uh, and really provide the company culture that is needed. So Brett, I really appreciate you being here. Love this topic. Um, and uh, as we get started, why don't you kind of walk us through your history and experience and just catch us up to date to where you are now?
1: Sure, Kyle. Thanks uh, for having me on the show. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, so, um, I prior to founding Culture Gene, I uh, ran an executive search firm uh, for 16 years uh, based out of London. And we worked with VC backed high growth companies, tech companies, uh, typically working anywhere between Moscow and San Francisco. Um, and actually, I was lucky enough about five and a half years ago now to work with three companies almost in a row where the CEOs had a very clear understanding of their culture, mm-hmm. and I was asked to find candidates that matched the skills, the experience, the typical things, but also that matched the values of the company.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'd never done that before. It was a much harder search. It took me much longer to do. Yeah. But actually, once we got to the interview stage, it was like chalk and cheese. Mm-hmm. The, the the candidates that that gelled with the company, you could just see it. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the interviews ran smooth, more smoothly. Um, the negotiations ran more smoothly. And actually, when the candidates hit the ground, they hit the ground running and they had an, an almost immediate impact on the business, both yeah. Yeah. either an engineering point of view or a sales point of view, or like, and you know, their culture. So mm-hmm. that was when the, the, the sort of the penny dropped for me, and I realized wow, there is something really big here that I've stumbled on. So I decided to start researching, start interviewing leaders, um, and and as part of that, written the two books and launched culture Gene, which is a software-driven process that I take companies through to help them define, embed, and manage their culture.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I that, and I think that's excellent. Uh, you know, one of the things that you mentioned in there is these companies that. Uh, we're able to hire for culture, and I think most people listening, everybody wants to say that's what we do. We hire for culture. We hire for culture, but um, I know you, you know your your kind of research and your experience has shown that that's not as easy as it sounds, um, and that that in reality, uh, for many businesses, they can't hire for culture. They can't hire that cultural fit because they don't even know what their culture is. It hasn't been well defined. Talk us through that.
1: Uh, I actually believe it's impossible to hire for culture CultureFit
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, because I've never had a leader ever answer the following question well, and that is, could you please accurately describe your company culture?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I get a little bit of waffle about values maybe and a little bit of mission and vision, mm-hmm. but really your, your your culture is made up of behaviors, habits, rituals, principles, your beliefs, the way you yeah communicate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's this myriad of things that make up the way we do things around here. Mm-hmm. And actually your culture's changing all the time as you're growing. So so with my with my clients, we go through a values fit candidate evaluation process. We define the values and then we define questions to be able to interrogate the candidates fit with those values.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, and that's that's perfect. Um, and yeah. I, think exactly I think you're exactly right. Exactly we oftentimes right. kind of have in our head general idea of what that culture is, but really being able to scale that in a way to say this it's well-defined. Um, and even sometimes the culture we have in our head is not the ones that our employees would express or our clients and our stakeholders would communicate to say, yeah, that I agree with that. That's the culture of your business. And so um, being able to define that out is, is really critical. And one of the things that you talk about is how um, the lack of culture development is kind of its own Pandemic uh, that that's happening in businesses right now. So, talk us through what that looks like and and how we've gotten to this point that um, that culture is 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 really its own struggle that businesses are facing.
1: Yeah. So, if you think about if you think about this pandemic, this pandemic is forcing us to to exist in ways and live in ways and be in ways that we don't want to. Yeah. And and. Ultimately, if you join a culture that's not suitable for you, you're actually working in a company that's forcing you to work in ways you don't want to and behave in ways you don't want to. Great. And this is a global problem. Most companies, 9 out of 10 companies, have not done a good job of defining their culture. Mm-hmm. I've, I, I took, I, to interview 50-plus CEOs, I had to speak to over 500 companies. Wow. Because some of them have got values and some of them have done mission, vision, and purpose. But actually, when you go deeper into the onion, it's empty.
0: Yeah.
1: They haven't done the work of embedding it and building it into their functions and processes and leadership team and feedback and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So so, you know, I I, I see this lack of culture development and lack of understanding of how to develop culture. As a pandemic, because we are forcing people to work in environments they shouldn't work in, mm-hmm. they you know people spend most of their awake time in places they often hate working in, which is the reason why employee engagement is so terrible That's right. and why morale is so low. So yeah, this is this you know it's it's my job to end that pandemic. I can't. I'm not clever enough to help with the other one, but I'll, I'll focus on the culture <laughs> pandemic.
0: Yes, yes. And I I agree completely. You know, that's one of the things uh, we talk to our clients quite a bit about is just that, um, you know, one of the the most recent studies that I've seen, and this was pre-pandemic, was that 65% of the American workforce is... um, they're dissatisfied in their job, and yeah. you know, whenever you look at the roots of that, it can go back to the fit, the culture, the leadership, all of these things that that tie into job dissatisfaction. Uh, and so, dissatisfaction obviously that leads to those those issues that you're talking about: morale, lack of engagement, and it's it's ultimately costing um, you know it's it's costing companies millions, if not billions, of dollars. Um, and even in a small business, you have five or ten employees. Well, if 65% of your employees on average are, um, not satisfied with their job, then that, that has going, that is going to have a huge impact. You know, imagine if you could get that where everyone is satisfied, they love their job, they love their play. What's that going to do for the effectiveness of the business and ultimately the bottom line? Um, and and so to that point, now uh, I know you're coming to us from Portugal, and you have a lot of experience in international business. Um, you know, our our world, our space is specifically, uh, you know, kind of in the um, uh, United States workforce. But one of the things that we are seeing heavily, um, especially over the last three or four months, is you have a lot more jobs than you have people looking to go to work, and so that makes it even more important for us to have a strong company culture that we understand what it is, and we're hiring people, um, we're bringing people in, we have employees that fit well into that. So when, when we're experiencing this type of job market, um, where it's not about the unemployment rate, it's about people that are actually interested in going back to work. And, and when you have fewer people interested in going to work than you do jobs that are out there, how does a, how does a company culture impact their ability to bring on great talent?
1: So actually, your company culture should be should be a magnet, and and a magnet is both a good one is both powerfully powerfully repellent and powerfully mm-hmm. attractive. Yeah. So a good culture will repel the people who don't, uh, you know, a, a strong culture, a, a, a good, well defined document, communicating your culture will repel as well as it attracts. Yeah. Because you don't want to waste time with the people who shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And and a good a, a, a good document that defines a, a culture and and this is it should be your culture should be on your website in your job ads, your your recruiters should have a cheat sheet about your culture it should be in LinkedIn Twitter and YouTube your culture should be in your interview process it should be in your onboarding you should it should just be repeated and repeated and repeated so that by the time they get to the onboarding stage they are like you know they are all in they understand it they get it they know what the values are they know what the behaviors are etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. and actually if if i've won so when i was when i was helping with companies recruit i would i would go you know you the really good people are in demand from facebook from google from amazon and this you know relatively well funded but high risk startup Mm-hmm. And I would go sit down with a candidate and I'd say do you know why you and I are talking why I'm talking to you it's not because of your salary it's not because of you know it's it's, not, it's got nothing to do with that stuff it's because these are the values that the company has defined mm-hmm. and if you read them you will see those values mirrored in you mm-hmm. not all of them but most of them right right and what that means is you will you you will join a you will join a company that works the way you want to work, behaves the way you expect people to behave. Mm-hmm. There's no politics. There's no backstabbing. There's no climbing up the greasy pole. This is all about getting stuff done and making an impact and changing the world in the right environment. And I turned many, many, many candidates who were on the fence towards the towards my client because yeah. I had that leverage, that that crowbar, to, to to wedge
0: open that gap. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's an excellent point you made in there that I, I want to make sure people don't miss. That you know, there's two sides to that magnet, and so uh, we oftentimes think of you know something as a magnet, it, it attracts people in, but the other, the flip side of that is that it repels the wrong people. And a a solid, well defined, um, well lived out company culture will do exactly that. And you want to, I, I think that. That may be one of the mistakes that a lot of businesses make when they want to verbally define their company culture, they try to do so in a way that's so uh, you know politically correct, uh, so inclusive that we say, "Oh you know, this is a great environment. Everyone should want to work here." But the reality is, if you really know who you are, um, not everyone is going to want to be in that. You know, if part of your company culture is, yeah, we, we do, we work 60 hours a week. Like this is part of our kind of work ethic, our strategy, the way that we do things. Now, here's how we balance those other areas. The part of our culture is this, well, there's some people that are not going to fit well into that. Um, I, I was with a company at one point in the, in the corporate space years ago that, um, you know, it was very common. Their leadership team lived all over the country and flew in to commute every week. Well, some people, that's not a good environment for them. Um, yeah. You know, they want that that relationship that, that's a little bit different with the people they're working with. And so, th- you make a really great point there that our company culture should repel the wrong people because that's that helps in the vetting process as we are looking to bring people into our organization. Um, yeah really valuable information and, and something that people may need to kind of think on a little bit. You know, does your culture attract the right people and repel the wrong? Uh, Brett, I, I want to switch directions here just a little bit honest. You know, I, I suspect there's some people that are that are listening, they're thinking through this, and they're saying, you know, we had such a great company culture a year ago. Um, you know, things were clicking, things moved really well, things were going well, but Now we're in this remote work environment. I've got employees working from home. I've got some that are in the office just occasionally, and it seems like everything has crumbled and fallen apart. And, And a question that we often get asked about as it relates to culture is, well, how do we build a company culture when we aren't around each other we're not in the same office building we don't have those four walls around us anymore and now we're in a remote work environment so how do we do that how is culture impacted by a remote workforce and and how do we overcome those challenges
1: yeah so so basically companies that there're two types of companies mm-hmm. companies that pre-covid worked on their culture
2: mm-hmm. and
1: those that didn't yeah and the companies that did work on their culture pre-covid or in a better in a, in a better stage look lots of companies are struggling for various reasons but the companies that are had that did their work invested in defining their their culture and, and embedding their culture are certainly finding it easier to 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 make a transition whether it's hybrid or fully remote they've got the core foundations of why we're doing this what we're doing and how we're doing it they got their vision, their mission, and their values defined, so that yeah, we can we can we can we can continue to know where our north star is. Mm-hmm. That being said, they're still struggling because what worked, as you said, in an office-based environment isn't working now. Yeah. Um, in the case where you, where companies didn't do any work on their culture, they just relied on their offices to define their culture and embed their culture and manage their culture, they are really struggling now. Mm-hmm. And ultimately. There is, there is this need to adapt. Most companies are thinking, how do we translate what we did in the office to digital? And Actually, that's the wrong question. The wrong question is, how do we learn from remote work? How do we learn from how the best remote work companies build their cultures to understand how to run a remote or hybrid business going forward? Because remote work companies over-index on culture development, communication, process definition, documentation, results-based leadership, um, collaboration. They work really hard on social connection. They work hard on on the recruitment process and adapting it. Mm-hmm. And I've in my research, I found that there are these nine best practices yeah. that. If you if you pull these together, you can see actually a it's going to be it's going to be tough transitioning to remote or hybrid work because you have to work like a remote first company first.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Working like a, like a remote first company means you have to adapt your communication to asynchronous communication. You have to document more, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. So really, this isn't an easy task. It's not an easy thing to do. But the companies that are doing this are getting ahead by. Positioning themselves as the place to come and work if you want to work in a in a in an environment where you are a first-class citizen. Mm-hmm. You want to work remote in a hybrid environment, you're going to ultimately often end up feeling like a second-class citizen. Yeah. You're going to feel like you're not included in decisions. You don't experience work the same way.
0: And so what are some steps that we may be able to put in place uh, to help with that? Because I would say some people are already experiencing that. And they say, yeah, I've, I've noticed that some of my employees that are working from home are a little less engaged. They, they seem to be a less involved. I can tell their frustration whenever we announce a new initiative or a new plan. What are some things that, that we need to be putting in place um, to help improve the communication, to help improve those decision-making processes? And um, what, what do we need to be doing? Where's the first place to start?
1: Now, this isn't an easy, I actually, I recommend the first place to start is to take the nine, these nine best practices of remote work and evaluate your company against them. So, mm-hmm. so currently, how much of our communication is synchronous versus asynchronous? Mm-hmm. And if you look at remote work companies, 90% of their communication is asynchronous. Right. So, how do we move from synchronous to asynchronous? Mm-hmm. How do we get people to move from a, right, a speak-first mentality to a write-first mentality? And then you look at um, uh, social connection. What are we doing that to make sure that we are creating micro communities in our in our in our company
2: yeah.
1: around re- the red wine lovers appreciation or society, or dog walkers, or parents, or mm-hmm. pizzas on Thursdays, or Dungeons and Dragons, whatever it is? Right. You know, Create and and how are we as leaders pushing that responsibility down onto the company? Mm-hmm. Because you as a leader do not want to be responsible for the social element. You just want to sponsor it, participate in it. I see a lot of companies that leadership says, Yeah, you know, go and do that, that's great. But the leader doesn't go to the social, that's you right. know, engagement initiative, which means they don't you know, people don't think it's relevant so nobody goes or it's half half hearted, et cetera. So right you know it's it's looking at these nine best practices and going how are we doing against these and and so where are the low hanging fruit what can we do that'll change the game up quickly and what's going to take longer to to implement mm-hmm. asynchronous communication is not easy yeah you know that's that's literally step by step by step building that capability into the organization
0: mhm yeah. You, then there was something you mentioned in there too, um, you know, about those leaders participating. You know, it's something that I, I, I talk about when I kind of walk through <clears throat> some keys or some pillars around leadership, good quality leadership is, um, is the sociability aspect. And I put it as like, don't just, uh, uh don't just, um, accept it. Don't just allow it, but encourage it, participate in it, be involved in it. Um, you know, and and you make a great illustration there. You know, just to say, yeah, it's fine. Let's have this group that you know meets on Friday afternoons to do this, or let's let's create this kind of subculture of 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 people that um, you know are all dealing with the same challenge in life or in the same season of life, whatever it is. You know, we we've got one for parents, or we've got a group for um, you know people that like to go to this pizza place on on Fridays, or whatever that case may be. But not just to allow it, but to actually encourage it to be part of it to promote it, to participate in it, um, because it shows that you really believe in it, that you, that you value this, that you think that it's important. And uh, I, And I think when we don't do that as leaders, it's it's so easy for the teams to recognize this is almost like checking a box. Like, yeah, you want us to be more social. You want us to know people, but this isn't a priority and it doesn't matter. Um it's so much better when we are involved in that, when we're participating in it, and people see this is something that's important to us. And um, I, I've seen the cultures in which it is, you know, part of the culture to have uh, those those social events, but the leaders aren't participating. And it's amazing how um, how how much less effective those things are, and partially because they can easily turn into gripe sessions about the business. Um, as opposed to, hey, this is a healthy way for us to get together and, and build each other up. And so I agree with that um wholeheartedly. I think that's so important that of something that we need to be doing. You you mentioned also um you know, better documentation. That that whenever we're in this remote environment, documenting what's happening, and and um, and I think that plays along into the communication piece of people being aware and staying up to date and knowing what's happening. But um, how do we give us some examples of what are some things that we need to be documenting? What does that look like, and how do we put a process like that in place uh, to improve the culture for our remote workers?
1: Yeah. So <clears throat> the you must remember that your people need as much visibility into their colleagues' work
2: mm-hmm.
1: as they would previously have had in an office where yeah. they could meet up, listen in to the conversation or chat over lunch or have a beer. And the only way to do this in a hybrid or remote setting is through documentation. So ultimately, everything should be documented, but that's trying to feed somebody a whole chicken. they yeah. choke. Um, so, so really, what you've got to remember is good documentation enables a stronger, more informed, more trusting, and more connected team. And the best documentation examples I've seen are where a, a, a document has an owner. Mm-hmm. In other words, I will write a document because I own that document, and it's an important process or an important document for me. I'm the only person responsible for this document. I may have, I may give other people responsibility, but I am the prime response person responsible for the document. Yeah. Secondly, what's the audience for the document? Is it internal? Is it team? Is it project? Is it external? Customers? Is it the whole web? Mm -hmm. Thirdly, what's the cadence of updates? If any, is this a once off document where it's it's only relevant for the next three weeks because that's the project deadline? Or is it something that we need to to like an onboarding uh, a document which is going to change and adapt? Yeah. And what's the workflow for updating that document? And what's the lifespan? And then lastly, how long does the document live? Who maintains it? Who updates it? And who's allowed to interact with it? Yeah. And the best example of this I can I can suggest to your listeners is, is GitLab. So GitLab's company manual is a work of absolute beauty. It is. Poetry in Written Digital Form.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, is, it, is, it is 8,100 pages. Wow. And every single one of those pages is a live working document
2: mm-hmm. that
1: is used on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And if it's not used, they cut it. But the owner of the document wants it there because they need people to know this is their process or this is how they work. Yeah. So, that's, so documentation needs structure. And if you can give documentation structure and an owner, then you have a way forward. Yeah. And the more you can document, the better, because ultimately, if you have a, if you have a, a, a Zoom call, you and two other people have a Zoom call in a company of 150 people. How did the other 147 people find out about that?
0: Right. Yeah, and not an easy thing to uh, not an easy thing to get in place, but um, certainly critical. To to make sure that we maintain that sense of culture and that that sense of unity and uh, uh, as an organization, because what we don't want is just task takers that are working at home and you know kind of checking the boxes of getting things done. Um, well, Brad, th- this is all excellent. Uh, before we head out, a couple of things. Uh, one, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about Culture Gene uh, and kind of what that is and what that looks like. And then also, um, how can our listeners get in touch? How can they learn more about uh, the resources that you have out there? Um, where can they find some more information about that?
1: Cool. Well, so Culture Gene is, is a, essentially a culture development process that um, I've been working on for the last four years. Um, We use software that I started building 18 months ago, and basically we, their values, mission, and vision, Mm -hmm. embed that into the leadership team, processes, policies, structures, and functions of the business. And then we help the company manage their culture so that once we leave the organization, they can get on with it and treat it like a function. Right. And so, basically, that's a either a three month program or a twelve month program, um, and it's something that that is facilitated on a on a on a needs basis with the organisation. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've got our clients range from schools to wealth management um, banks to um, uh, tech companies to cyber companies to. Um, operations and maintenance businesses for solar system, solar panel systems. Very broad. Um, and uh, yeah, people can reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm CultureGene is www.culturegene.ai. Um, people can reach me directly, brett at culturegene.ai. And um, uh, I'm also on Twitter if, if people want to follow me there.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, Brett, thank you so much. This is great information, certainly relevant and valuable uh, to a lot of the businesses and what they're experiencing right now. And so certainly encourage everyone, uh, if you recognize the need to uh, better improve your company culture, to develop that um, uh, more than what you've done, or maybe you realize, hey, we really don't have anything at all here. Um, you, you need to get started. And so I encourage you to go check out that information and check out those resources. Brett, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and expertise and um, appreciate everything that you're doing out there for businesses today.
1: Kyle, thank you. And uh, thanks for the work you're doing. It's uh, it's, it's impactful and uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining
0: us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit employerblueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit kylegorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day. Today's episode was produced by just you, marketing for all of your podcast needs. Just You Marketing has you covered. Be sure to hit the subscribe button before you leave today and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you and you can reach us at podcast at employerblueprint.com.